Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party, an Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? I'm doing really well. I'm happy to be here as always. It's a fun day. We got a cool episode though. Today we're going to be breaking down the current SMG meta by taking a look at the numbers as well as in-game applications in order to crown who is the best SMG in the game. Before we do any of that though, make sure you join us on Discord. Make sure to join and chat Apex, find teammates, receive third-party updates. Link for that's in the description below. If you'd like to help continue the support of the third party podcast, please consider joining our Patreon over there and get a ton of different benefits from ad free listening, exclusive merch, gaming sessions with us, monthly calls, different perks on the discord and much, much more. If you help us reach our next goal and you're interested in maybe a video podcast, we are very, very close to making that happen. So go check it out. And a video podcast could be really fun. It's been people have been asking for for a little bit of time now, so we could definitely make that one happen. Let's do it. Let's dive into the news. First piece of news and the biggest piece of news, the news we've been waiting on for a very, very long time. We had seer changes. The hot patch came out recently and we're going to cover it, give you guys all of our thoughts. Um, I'll go ability by ability, and then I got some thoughts to share from the devs as well. And if you want to interject anywhere, feel free, essentially. Passive, though. They increased the wait time between sensory spikes for full HP targets. It was 1.25 seconds. It is now 1.75 seconds. They removed the center circle ellipses, and they reduced the range beyond the 75 meters, which is those blue spikes we were talking about when you see someone uh, in the open line of sight beyond 75 meters. They also reduced the field of view for the passive. For the tactical, they increased detonation delay from 1.4 to 1.6 seconds. Players hit are no longer damaged or flashed, and screen shake from being hit is also reduced. They moved... The move slow was added while holding tactical, and they lowered volume on audio for the tactical as well. The ultimate got changed a little bit as well. Increased cooldown from 90 seconds to 120 seconds, and they lowered volume on the audio for that one as well. Lots of changes, and it's kind of crazy to see this huge list kind of come at you and be like, Oh my goodness, this horizon again is kind of, I think, those first thoughts I know I had Ouch. and some other people were sharing on the Discord with me as well. Yeah, I mean, this was a, a sweeping nerf across mm -hmm. the board. Um, I think a lot of players were hopeful for something like this, that they would uh, clean up kind of the, the overpowered seer that we saw on release. I think that overall... Pretty healthy changes, honestly. Mm -hmm. I am pretty happy overall. I think that the changes to the ultimate cooldown, very, very accurate, respectable changes that make a lot of sense. In terms of the other big ones, I think the tactical detonation delay yeah. is able to be felt and mm -hmm. is, a, is significant. It essentially makes it easier to dodge the tactical. Mm -hmm. And I've now... Had both sides where I've been able to dodge more and have my tactical dodged as playing seer. It's only a 15% increase in the mm -hmm. in the duration, but I think it's meaningful. That's how close it kind of was though, to like 
feeling like you could dodge it based on the mm-hmm. kind of size of the tunnel as well. So I do think that's kind of the one that stood out for me. I wasn't expecting the damage to disappear. Um, that was kind of another interesting note. I kind of get it after kind of hearing their thoughts and further expanded on it. But the damage was not expected for me. And I don't know. What were kind of your thoughts on hearing yeah. that change right there? I, I'm glad you you bring it up as an interesting point because we have a lot of abilities that do damage. Mm-hmm. A ton. We have tacticals that do damage. Smoke yeah. does 10. Revenant Silence does 10. So what is the difference with Seer? Why can't he have that? I think it's interesting because mm-hmm. based off of that, it doesn't really sound like a big deal. But the fact that you can do it in tandem with the passive and someone can feel completely safe, but they're still able to be hurt. I think Mm -hmm. the developers have said it, players have felt it, it feels cheap. It feels like, hey, I I should be safe where I'm at, I'm healing, and not only am I interrupted, but I'm also hurt, or I'm just hurt in general, and I feel the compulsion to put on a cell, and it's kind of lame to be behind cover, feeling safe, maybe in the high ground, and feel like you have to take a three-second pause Mm -hmm. to heal. You kind of mentioned it, but that like compulsion to take a cell, that was kind of something mentioned by the designers as well. Is that like, it kind of sucks to lose 10 health. It's not really enough where you should feel like you have to sell up, but it also is kind of that frustrating feeling of I'm not full health anymore Mm -hmm. and I need to waste resources now in doing so. I think it's interesting to hear some of the thoughts from the devs. So John Larson a live balance designer shared an incredibly long, incredibly detailed thread on these changes. We're not covering all of it, just the highlights, but if you're really invested in this kind of stuff, check out that thread on Twitter. It's also in our discord and the Patreon feed. Uh, the sober nurse put it in there. Really interesting stuff. Uh, John kind of talks about though, that the goal was to hit the pain points and degenerate play patterns without preemptively gutting the unique part of Sears kit. That was kind of the end goal for this change currently. Would you say they have accomplished that goal of keeping his kit unique and hurting the awful play patterns while keeping him, you know, viable, I would say? For the most part, I think they dialed down elements of his kit everywhere they could. In yeah. terms of the damage, cooldowns on the ultimate, I think that it's still a powerful kit. It has mm-hmm like opportunity it's viable i still believe um in terms of canceling out or decreasing the frustrations i think the most painful thing that a seer can do is cancel a res or cancel a heal and that's Mm -hmm. still there as a major characteristic of seer's abilities and arguably the most powerful and most like descriptive thing about seer is the fact that he can have that interruptibility on top of intel yeah for the people frustrated by that interrupt and the reveal duration there were people very frustrated that wasn't hit at all in this change Uh, john did mention in his thread that this current patch is a starting point and regardless of what data tells them based on internal and external feedback these outputs will probably need follow-up work and that's kind of the first time we've heard from a developer essentially that we're going to listen to the community feedback and the frustration 
over kind of the numbers that they work with, which is kind of something we've assumed for a while now. Uh, but to kind of hear it out in the open, I think that's a very interesting takeaway from John talking about uh, these changes right now. Yeah, I I just want to say that you and I, we're huge fans of Intel. Mm-hmm. Love Bloodhound. And as soon as Seer kind of came onto the scene, people are getting upset about the wall hacking and mm-hmm. this idea of it feels cheap to be able to see where people are behind cover and walls. Mm-hmm. Not only should we nerf Seer substantially, but we should do that to Bloodhound as well. There's people saying Bloodhound and Seer need to be removed from the game. Like it's, That's an You extreme. got the extremes as well. Like It's crazy right now out there. It's an extreme. I don't like it. I think that both Seer and Bloodhound have a great space in the game. I like that they're powerful. Like A lot of players would take another perspective and say, it feels like you have to have a Bloodhound on your team to succeed. Is that true? I don't necessarily think so. Mm -hmm. Yes, Bloodhound's very powerful. Seer is also quite powerful. But just because an enemy knows where you are, if you're all together, if you hit your shots, if you use a grenade, if you use any of your abilities, you can flip that intel onto them. Like mm-hmm. it, It's not, oh, they see where I am. Oh, game over. I need yeah. to retreat. That's not how we've been playing for the last 10 seasons. That's not how we're going to ever play. So I don't like those kind of ideas like surfacing to the top of discussions when I like Bloodhound. Bloodhound is balanced. Mm-hmm. So is Seer now. Yeah. I mean... I tend to agree with you. I do think it's going to be interesting to see what happens though, because I really do think something is going to happen with these characters in that we have John kind of coming out and saying, we're going to look at external feedback. And John's entire thread was in response to this discussion of the wall hack meta. And he mentioned that where the fact that Sears emergence in the minds of the developers has expedited revisiting the oppressive parts of the reveal meta. Yeah. The oppressive parts of the reveal meta is very interesting. And that's a discussion I am really looking forward to continuing to monitor into the future of this game because that's, you know, the crux of Bloodhounds and Seer's abilities. And once we, you know, if we remove that kind of stuff and the frustration, do they soar to the bottom of the pick rate chart because they are no longer as dominant in force? But I do think from these statements, I think we're seeing something. Like I think that the feedback from the player base is heard very loud and clear right now. And for better or for worse, the introduction of Seer has moved along the process of addressing those frustrations because introducing Seer brought those frustrations to kind of top of mind with people. Yeah, I, you know me. I don't know about change. I I like Mm -hmm. Apex. That's why I'm here. I don't feel like, oh, it's on fire. We need to fix this or that. I actually enjoy the game. Mm -hmm. And so when I hear people say, oh, we have to completely tear down this quote unquote wall hack meta, Mm -hmm. that scares me and hurts me because essentially what you're saying is similar to how people were so upset about Lifeline. You're saying you just don't like the idea of having a medic or a support legend. Yes. If now Mm -hmm. you're saying, I don't like a legend who's power is based in information that equally doesn't seem fair to me because we have very powerful legends that are in the mobility category or the Mm -hmm. assault category like that's a frustrating meta in and of itself 
many would say it takes more skill. It mm-hmm. you know allows you to have more fun. But you could also say we have really, really strong defensive legends. So put a recon legend up against either of those two categories. The offensive and defensive have counters. They can move out of the way. They can flank. They can put mm-hmm. down defenses. And so I don't feel like in my game experience or in my thoughts about game design and my love of Apex that Bloodhound and Seer are fragmenting or destroying the game's integrity. Like, I just don't believe that. It's really interesting. I think that we obviously see a constantly rotating meta in Apex Legends in terms of the Legends, and Bloodhound has kind of been at the top for a little while now we feel like it's been seasons and seasons where we've said bloodhound's one of the best legends in the game even before they kind of rose to the popularity of that and that you know intel is powerful scans are powerful that play style is very powerful in that same frame is that okay i think we've tended to say yes i personally don't mind i'm less kind of on your side of things i'm more okay with things changing if we want to mix things up i'm cool with keeping it fresh and if they say bloodhound's a 100 pick rate in algs or whatever and the only way to counter a bloodhound is with another bloodhound it's kind of what john was saying on twitter yeah then i think then maybe yeah do some sort of change if you want to as long as we're not hitting a legend to the point of unplayability and i think that's obviously a tough line to walk and if it was super easy the game would be perfect that nobody would complain yeah and i think that's kind of where we're at in that he bloodhound has been at the top for so long and seer coming in as kind of like i think for a lot of people that were against you know kind of playing bloodhound kind of brought that bloodhound stuff back to front of mind yeah And that's tough, I think, for a lot of, you know, the casual people of the game, which is, you know, who we are appealing to in a large sense of frame in terms of balancing for the most part. Absolutely. And you bring up the point of like Bloodhound being on top. Bloodhound is very popular. No debating that. We've been calling for more people to play Bloodhound for a year. Mm -hmm. But somebody's allowed to be at the top. Totally. Totally. And that person right now is Octane. And they've been there for a long time. So that's okay. Like mm-hmm. it's it's difficult to to I think entertain these ideas of, oh, we need change, we need change, focus on this new legend or this thing that feels like is too good when we have a legend who has very powerful kit at the top, mm-hmm. unquestioned, very dominant, not up for debate, not up for discussion for this idea of change. So It's an interesting idea of choosing your battles, what feels right, and also Mm -hmm. this idea of in a battle royale, you should be able to play across different skill levels. People less experienced can, in some situations, beat more skilled and experienced players based off of the abilities. Bloodhound gives Mm -hmm. a lot of opportunity for players to get advantages, and that's something that I would like to protect because you can use it on both sides. But Mm -hmm. I do like what you're saying about how maybe we can decrease that power and replace it with something better. It's too bad that this kind of bubbled up out of Mm -hmm. a new legend coming onto the scene that does a similar thing. Because I think if that wasn't the case, we probably wouldn't be having this discussion about Bloodhound. 
No, I don't think we would at all. And I think there would be uh, more focus put on to, you know, maybe crypto or something. And then crypto would come to the forefront and we'd be having the same conversation and, you know, two or three seasons. And we're actually going to talk about that on Saturday, kind of the crypto stuff as well. So stay tuned for that. But last kind of thought I'll throw in here that is, uh, I think, kind of going to wrap things up is that this, I'm I'm known by no means saying that like, hey, we need to nerf blood and sear and stuff. Like I don't lean towards that side. I'm just kind of trying to take the devil's advocate side of what might happen based off of what we are hearing per se. I am like, if we're just talking in a vacuum, powerful legends, nerf people, I'm do not need Octane at the top. I think we have an issue with, you know, some legends just being way too popular. And it, like there will always some be somebody at the top. Right now, the gap between the top and, you know, the second and third and the middle is so wide. And I think that's more so one of the issues we're running into. We're just going to always be circling back to this concept of frustration and games. And is an Octane meta frustrating? Well, apparently only one combined with a Rev meta. So it's like, it's really weird. How do you walk this line? It's a tough game to balance. We're not in charge of it. We just get to give you guys our opinions on uh, what they do, essentially. So it's kind of fun in that way. Uh, John Larson did admit, though, uh, in his opinion, uh, I quote, as far as release, release strength seer goes, we missed the mark. Players should never feel the need to pick a legend slash weapon for an entire season just to compete. Thankfully, we're a live game and we can iterate on things. I just got to say with that kind of comment, I appreciate that as a fan of the game. I love being able to hey, like make these live changes. It's probably the biggest legend change we've had in a live patch ever. And yep that's cool to see you know you and i are both in the same mind that they needed to drop seer strong and hopefully seer you know still stays towards that upper middle of the pack now for a little bit and has a viable spot in apex legends and hopefully doesn't just fall screech into the bottom after this kind of change absolutely Next piece of news, within that same patch, there were a couple other bug fixes, but the kind of one that stands out was the explosive holds on King's Canyon have been fixed and will spawn closed once again with weapons. I think that's such a funny change, the fact that there was an actual glitch that crashed the game in terms of the vaults or the the explosive holds being open. Did you enjoy them being open at all, though, for the first couple of weeks? <laughs> I did. I A lot of players were coming to me, and I was having conversations. They were upset that you couldn't get weapons. But this idea of dropping, you can't land right on an explosive hold because you need a grenade. So yeah. mm-hmm. it isn't like that go-to weapon spot in general. But I really liked them being open because I could just walk up, didn't have to spend a grenade, and I got all gold attachments. It was beautiful. Um, but they are so cool. And you have to admit that the interaction of using the grenade oh, to unlock it. Top tier. Couldn't have missed that yeah. uh, mm-hmm. anymore. Totally. Well said. Next piece of news. Uh, year two of the ALGS will have a $5 million prize pool. $2 million for the championship. $1 million for the playoffs. Uh, Apex launched an esports Twitter page as well. So if you're interested in the ALGS and Comp Apex, Go follow at Play Apex Esports. They're posting tons of clips over there right now. Lots of highlights. Really cool stuff to see. And I think uh, I won't speak for you, but I will say that I love to see the esports scene flourish. And we've already talked about trying to plan a land trip once this uh, comes back into form next year. 
Oh yeah, we definitely uh, we got to get in either in the press box or in the <laughs> in the seating because it's going to be really really fun to see this all back in person. And then the last piece of news for the day, a really kind of interesting and cool one for the big evil corporation people tend to see EA as. Uh, EA has patented the ping system in Apex Legends. Um, if you're worried about what that means for the future of games, though, if only Apex will ever be able to use it, no worries. EA is not only allowing, but they are hoping and urging other developers will use their system in their own games. I think that's a pretty cool thing to see. What are kind of some of your first thoughts on hearing that? It's an incredible mechanic. It's truly incredible. Like not only is it elevating the competition in the game because you're increasing the amount of communication uh, and Mm -hmm. teamwork, but it's also increasing the accessibility to games. And I think a lot of players don't feel comfortable getting on the mic or maybe can't for some reason. This ping system is so robust that you can play at a very high level with it alone as Team Com. So I love the system and this is great sentiment. It's kind of crazy to think that other games kind of didn't have this system beforehand and that, you know, a lot of people have, you know, copied Apex and people we're okay with that essentially is what EA is saying because the system's so great. Uh, for anyone asking the question, why did they patent it if they want other people to use it? It's so nobody else could patent it and then say, you can't use it. So EA essentially said, we're going to be the good guys here and uh, make sure everyone can ping in every video game ever in the future. <laughs> there you go. Let's get into the main topic of the day, though, and ask the big important question. Why are SMGs important in Apex Legends? And kind of break down the current SMG meta, which is something we've been wanting to do for a very long time at this point. Yeah, I I love this topic. And just to start things off with, why are the SMGs so important? You know, you're talking about weapons that are best at close to medium range. That's where a lot of excitement happens in Apex Legends. Across game (laughs) modes, across POIs, the majority of fights are that close to medium range. Whether you are closing the gap with an AR or a marksman, finishing a kill, finishing a team, it's going to happen in that close to medium range. So SMGs, Mm -hmm. that's where they shine. On top of that, SMGs have a very high time to kill, which last Mm -hmm. week we talked about as being a very important number to increasing your performance in Apex. And finally, SMGs are so important because they have very powerful hip fire, recoil patterns, and the aim down sight movement speed. So you have high mobility coupled with fairly accurate uh, performance across the SMGs. So you have this amazing mixture of they're highly relevant in when and where you use them, and they're very powerful and robust in that context. So needless to say, they're important and a major topic for discussion. Yeah, they're a major topic across all first-person shooters. You know, SMGs are just a staple of the genre. I would say Apex has some of the best SMGs in the genre. You know, not biased or anything. Not like I got a podcast about Apex Legends. And so I think it's really, really cool to see that we're now in, I think I would say, an SMG meta. And we're going to talk about why it's so balanced. I mean, do you want to share a little bit on why we're talking about this, though? 
now currently yeah. for kind of the first time in a while we're going to try and break down all the SMGs for the public. Yeah, I mean why now is I guess for two reasons. The first one being and this is a topic that we can't really create a whole episode on right now, but is mm-hmm. kind of something that we both agree on. This is the hardest season of Apex Legends to date. It's the most competitive. We have the most ranked playlists. We have the most mm-hmm. competitive high skill weapons in rotation. The care package is taking a lot of those low skill, high performance weapons out of the mm-hmm. rotation. The legends are very powerful. This is a hard, hard season. So we have a very competitive SMG meta. We have SMGs across each weapon category from light, heavy to energy. We don't have, you know, the alternator. That was that yeah. slower, high damage, more forgiving SMG in the mix. And so we have fairly high skill weapons in this category that require skill, like a lot of the guns right now compared to other seasons. So the main reason is this season is hard. And the second reason is this is the most healthy, amazing, balanced SMG meta we have ever had in the game based off of we have three ammo types, three very powerful SMGs to compare. Yeah, it's really cool to have one coming across each ammo type for the first time in a while. Not this weird stack of two light, one energy, but then you also kind of have the RE45, which competes as well with those two light SMGs. And what heavy SMG am I going to carry while I look for my flatline or my, you know, 30 30 at some point uh i think healthy is the the very optimal word to use i'm a huge smg fan i enjoy this smg meta more than a shotgun meta personally in terms of dying to the kind of stuff Uh, and we'll talk about that kind of with our accuracy stats on why i think this is kind of a more skill rewarded meta per se but let's get into it though break us down the smgs we're going to be talking about today and why why we love them so much. Yeah, so first on the lineup is the R99. This is kind of the sweaty weapon. This is kind of the cover of Apex. It's one of the fan favorites up there with the wingman and the peacekeeper. The R99 has always been a staple of high skill, high performance. This is a up-close-and-personal beast. Mm-hmm. That being said, it also has substantial risk behind it. So that skill required is no joke this weapon is difficult to use to to buy this first round in arenas is most likely a big mistake because it just requires you hit so many shots and control such a fast rate of fire that your chance of success is quite low but the power extreme yeah, I love that you described as the sweaty gun just because it has been that streamer gun per se for everyone since the game's come out. It's never really slipped into the not usable area either. And it went as far to the OP overpowered area and found itself in the care package. And now I think we're not only talking about how these guns are balanced across loot pool, we're kind of talking about very balanced versions of of these weapons per se and it's a very healthy time to use the r99 in terms of a risk reward you kind of know what you're getting going into it with absolutely and talking about smgs the last time we really did a full breakdown on them was season seven 
That was mm-hmm. a long, long time ago. And galaxy far, far away. Across that time, there's been a lot of tweaking, a lot of balancing. We have the Prowler back. It's had changes. The Volt's had changes. Um, and so just like you said, like we're in a very balanced place where we have a really fair comparison, I think. And so it's a meaningful discussion to decide which one is best when really the competition is close. Yes, well said. But back on track, the next SMG is the Volt. And this is one, came in season six, energy SMG, very, very different from something like the Volt. Slower rate of fire, higher damage, being an energy mag, it has that, or an energy weapon, it has that interesting projectile speed. And honestly, it's a favorite of mine. It kind of plays in the middle of that close to medium range a little uh, more forgiving uh, in those ranged engagements than maybe the R99 is. Yeah, very well said. It's interesting. Like this is kind of the SMG I think people are most comfortable with putting that two times on and being like, oh, maybe I can flex this up to an AR in a way. And and that's kind of a fun little versatility piece to have. And before you move on to the next gun, I just got to say this gun might be one of the best sounding ones in the game the volt is just oh my goodness once you start shooting it i feel like you never want to stop the volt almost sounds like uh, a turbocharged havoc so it (laughs) kind of strikes fear there and then it also kind of sounds like disruptor rounds on the alternator so it's like oh very intimidating things yeah (laughs) that's right so you have to be careful of the volt but the flip side to this versatility at range is the hip fire accuracy is not as powerful as the yeah. R99. So you're kind of in two different categories of application, but they're both SMGs and they can both get the job done in that close to medium range. They're, they're definitely in that category. Mm-hmm. And finally, a third party favorite, the Prowler. This is a five round burst heavy SMG. Incredibly unique. We We talk about burst a lot as risk versus reward it in some ways can be very consistent for new players that um, are getting used to weapons being able to just tap the trigger and put out five rounds and have a pretty high chance of hitting a headshot that's very powerful however on the flip side to that you can tap the trigger once and waste five shots so totally burst is interesting that being said the prowler has been a long time favorite We've been touting its name for a long, long time and couldn't be happier that it's out of the care package and on the ground. Yeah, Back when the first episode dropped of the show, we were probably talking about the Prowler those days. So it's definitely been around for a while. Interesting to kind of see it as a burst only gun for the first time on the ground and no option to get that full auto fire. And this is definitely, I think, the SMG that is in hot discussion in terms of weapons right now. And honestly, as hot of a discussion it's been at the start of the season, nobody's talking about it really now because of the Seer stuff. So I think we're in a pretty good spot uh, in terms of that. And the Prowler is, for the people that might be listening and being like, Prowler is easily the most OP gun. I'm going to let Henry break down the stats behind it. But just from a field perspective, we were not on that kind of train of, oh, this gun needs immediately nerfed again after it's kind of come to the ground right now. Yeah, and, and the fact that it's on burst only means that it is a high-skill weapon. Honestly, totally. I believe that the Hemlock and the Prowler are difficult to use because they're burst. Yes, they can be rewarding, but you run the risk of 
not really being able to control the recoil. The weapon's going to do what it's going to do when it fires off five rounds in succession. So Prowler's tough. And when it had the ability to, to toggle the fire mode to full auto, that allowed a little more versatility, a little bit more welcomeness to maybe mm-hmm. newer players and more forgiveness. That being said, we have to talk about the SMGs. You have to break them down because they're all pretty high skill. They're all very tight together. So finding which one rides to the top is a challenge. Yeah. Before we get into the breakdown of it, the numbers behind the SMG, here is a word from our sponsors. Listener, that is not the sound of a soda, energy drink, or beer, but the sound of a refreshing can of water. How does it taste, Shay? Tastes good. Tastes like I'm drinking water straight from the Austrian Alps, fresh and pure. I think that liquid death for gamers is an incredible option for them looking to enhance their focus and maintain energy by staying hydrated. I am unfortunately addicted to soda, and now that we have liquid death as a partner, A, it sounds awesome, and B, it's a can, so I can't tell the difference. I certainly drink a lot of water between the two of us, on and off stream. With the can's gold accents and crisp design, I now get to drink it in style. But why is this water called liquid death? Let me tell you, it's because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles everywhere. Also, they donate 10% of profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. It really blows me away that plastic isn't actually recyclable anymore and how most plastic you throw in a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. We are super excited to be partnering with a brand that is conscientious of the environment and with our help wants to encourage sustainable purchases for your health and the planet. So go to liquiddeath.com and get a koozie two-pack, $8 value on us when you purchase a 12-pack and use the code THIRDPARTY at checkout. You can also find Liquid Death nationwide at 7-Eleven and Whole Foods. And online, they're offering free shipping on all merch and two-plus cases of water. Get out there and murder your thirst, third-partiers. Welcome back. Okay, let's get to it. Your time to shine, as always, with the numbers, HB. Break it down for us and tell me which SMG I should be picking up every day. All right, all right. So first things first, we're going to look at the time to kill and the accuracy stats. These, Mm -hmm. we're going to get out of the way first because they're the most important. And we're going to do it two ways. We're going to do white armor and white attachments. And then we're going to do purple armor and purple attachments for both of these stats. And the reason we're going to do that is potentially obvious. We want to look at and see what SMG is better just right off the rip. You drop, you pick it up, which one's going to perform better, and then which one do you maybe want to take into the late game more so than another. Start things off with the white time to kill. The R99 wins this category at a 0.77 second time to kill. This is substantial, and this is much faster than the other SMGs relatively. The Volt has a 0.83 second time to kill, and the Prowler has a 0.86 time to kill. So looking at an interesting space, a lot of players would say, wow, I thought the Prowler was incredible. It's the slowest time to kill against white armor. Mm -hmm. That's concerning. But when we look at the white 
accuracy metric, we see that the Prowler is actually the most forgiving, only requiring 44% accuracy, when the R9 requires 63% and the Volt requires 47%. This category is kind of tough to assess, though, in the accuracy because, number one, we're talking about a burst weapon, and number two, the margin between the Volt and the Prowler is so slim that it's difficult to assign which one is easier to use. And Mm -hmm. that's what we're looking for in the accuracy metric. Which one is more forgiving, more easy to achieve those time to kill metrics that we want. I love that we're talking about the the white armor accuracy in TTK now. And you kind of mentioned it and alluded to it earlier in this episode, but it really rings true now more than ever because you'll find yourself in this situation a lot more often in a way, just in terms of we're getting these maps and getting these kind of meta of dropping in the city with everyone coming together. No longer is it the, hey, spread out everywhere. I feel like if you're playing pubs like the most casual people are, you've got a lot of hot drops and you're going to find yourselves in this kind of white TTK situation more often than maybe on the previous map of like Olympus where there it is all more spread out and it rotates in together later game. I think the timing for this fits very well. Absolutely. I, I think it's an important metric to look at and especially because there are differences and weapons mm-hmm. change a lot. We haven't talked about it in a while, but this idea of how do weapons level up in rarity as opposed to armor? And in mm-hmm. Apex, The defense has the advantage. Armor becomes more powerful than weapons do. So you do have changes in different weapon stats across different loot rarities. Um, And so it's important to look at. But going back to this idea of ease of use, accuracy with the SMGs, the Prowler is the most forgiving. But like I said, you have to take into account the burst. The Prowler, you have to hit 11 out of 25 shots with a common mag in order to get a knock. With the Volt, you have to hit 10 out of 21. So you have to hit less shots, but because the magazine size is smaller, we give the little edge to the Prowler. It's also important to note that, yes, I've been saying the Prowler is hard because it's burst. It's also quite easy. You can deal out a lot of damage in one burst. And so being Mm -hmm. able to close quarters, just fire off five rounds in a fifth of a second, that's very powerful. So we're going to give the edge to the white accuracy, ease of use to the Prowler, but the time to kill R99 is going to reign supreme in those early games. So this category comes down to skill, comfortability, confidence, legend, play style, all those intangibles that we can't really go into, but the R9 going to be substantially more risky, more than 20% more accuracy required than the Prowler. But you're going to get rewarded by almost a tenth of a second faster time to kill. In a head-to-head, you're going to want the R99. But in most situations in the early game, you may opt for the Prowler or the Volt. This is a really tight category. Yeah, and as much as we're saying opt for something, these early game situations, you don't always get the choice per se. And so I do want to kind of clarify that as well. And more so that it is also, if you do get the choice, great, by all means, you know, use this information to make that choice, but also be aware if you drop on something and you do have an R99 versus a Prowler, maybe you want to play faster or slower, more cautiously. It might change how you approach a fight per se. 
with your confidence level of the gun's early game. Totally. So moving on to the end game, look at time to kill and accuracy. It's still very, very competitive. In terms of the time to kill at purple, the R99 and the Prowler are currently identical in their time at 1.05 seconds. Like we said at the top, incredibly balanced. It is not even funny how balanced these are. The edge has to go to the Prowler though, because you only have to hit 15 shots out of the R99 having to hit 19. So that translates directly to the accuracy requirement that in order to score a knock with the R9 all purple against purple, you have to hit 70% of your shots. And with the Prowler, you only have to hit 42, which is incredibly low for almost any weapon um, mm-hmm. outside of an LMG. This is a very, very competitive accuracy. The fact that it is a five round burst though is interesting because if we're considering a time to kill 15 shots to score a knock against purple to the body takes 1.05 seconds. If you miss one of those shots, you're going to have to put out an entire other burst. Mm-hmm. That's going to mess with your accuracy. That's going to potentially impact your reload for the next kill um, or the next fight. So this is the nice, honestly, as close as it is. And as the prowler does have an edge, this is where you really have to either slow down with the prowler and make sure you are hitting those full bursts or opt for something like the Volt, which mm-hmm. has a much slower time to kill at 1.16 seconds. So you're a tenth of a second slower, but you're kind of in this middle ground of accuracy of only having to hit 53% of your shots. 14 out of 26 is a really nice margin for error. It's not as flashy as the Prowler, but like Mm -hmm. I said, you're going to have to unload an entire other burst in order to get over that 15 shots mark. With the Volt, it may be easier. You don't have the the delay between bursts to get over. So in this situation, the edge goes to the Prowler, if we're speaking very strictly competitive, but... Mm -hmm. In reality, the Volt may give you a little more forgiveness, not having you hit 70% of your shots, not having you hit only 40, but at that 53%, given a very close time to kill, the Volt is kind of in the sweet spot. I love how the burst really changes everything about this conversation. It it adds such another variable into it. We are so close to having just a full straight up comparison uh, right now, but the burst kind of messes it because you can even on the flip side, go with the, our favorite burst conversation point and say, burst makes it easier to hit headshots that natural lift up. And that's a whole nother variable in of itself. I do think this is great though. in saying, okay, prowler kind of looks to be in the lead, But, you know, if you're a little bit more conservative and want to play it a bit safer, there's a very, very strong argument for the Volt, which is a gun you and I both just adore right now. Yeah, I mean, we skip over headshots all the time. It's never a major, like, Mm -hmm. staple of our numbers discussions. But if we want to dip our toe into it a little bit, if you hit one headshot, that's going to take down the Prowler's shots to kill by one shot. Is that substantial? Well, it would put the time to kill faster than the R9 if you mm-hmm. if you don't hit a headshot with that. But the reason that we can't really say that with much confidence is 
if you are using the R99 or maybe the R301 and you're aiming for the head, you're going to get a lot more headshots than if you're with the Prowler aiming for the head. Because with mm-hmm. the burst, if you're aiming for the head, you're going to be shooting air. Like you just are with either four or three or two of the shots out of the five round burst. So, four feels accurate. Yep. <laughs> honestly, it, it, the, the recoil on the Prowler is by no means bad, but just given the fact that it is a burst, very hard to aim for the head and secure all headshots where mm-hmm. might be more possible with a full auto version. So can't really get into the headshots, but the truth is it will decrease the time to kill. But you run the risk of doing zero damage if you're really dialed in on on hitting domes. Yeah, we don't ever count on headshots or anything. Burst is just the only thing that sometimes brings it to the forefront of our mind in terms of just natural tendencies with the gun and how they are used. So it's fun to circle on, but I do think that taking it without the time to kill and of the headshots will give you the most accurate representation of your kind of decision making in game. So the breakdown in terms of time to kill and accuracy, early game, we're looking at a pretty close comparison honestly mm-hmm. prowler edges out in terms of ease of use with the volt very very close behind and then the r99 is kind of what everybody knows it is it can fry up close the time to kill reign supreme late game it is competitive the prowler does beat out in pretty much every metric it's either a tie or a strong favorite of the prowler with then the Volt being very much sandwiched in the middle in that slower capacity, but still potentially a viable option in the late game. Now going to the reload. All right, this is an interesting place because because they're all in the same category, you may expect they're really, really close in terms of reload. That's not necessarily the case. Uh, We're going to look at tactical reload, which means you still have rounds in the mag and you trigger reload versus a full reload where you empty every single shot and you have to do the full animation to to reload an entire magazine now in the tactical reload the volt is the fastest at 1.44 seconds followed by the r99 at 1.62 and the prowler at 1.8 a 1.8 second tactical reload is almost laughable it, that is not fast. Like if you are reloading the Prowler mid-fight, you are pulling your pants down. It is mm-hmm. very bad. It is really, really slow. Unless you are locked behind cover, you have a Gibby Dome, you're phasing out of there. This is not a weapon that you want to be maybe going into with. I, I love the Prowler. Maybe you can chime in with a different perspective, but I think given that tactical reload of almost being two seconds, I'm scared to come in locked and loaded with the Prowler as a primary, as opposed to something that I swap to after one clip. Yeah, I, I will, I'll throw in just because of that tactical reload, like you were saying, it is hard to go in with a high level of confidence. I do think it just does come down to what is your second gun, as a lot of this stuff kind of is in terms of that. I would like to avoid it being my primary, but I sometimes, if it if I'm jumping into a very close quarters combat, I will find a way to make it work as that primary gun per se. You just, you got to really remember, I do it so much. I just have this tendency with first person shooters 
to reload like after taking any amounts of shots this is a gun with 35 in the mag you've got to be okay with going to the end and if you happen to if you happen to uh lose it again if you happen to lose a fight because you ran out of bullets in the mag that's just going to be something you kind of have to live with essentially yeah it's such a large magazine capacity at the top end that i totally agree you kind of have to roll the dice and say i'm gonna hit as many bursts as i can but i can't really slow down because taking a pause with the prowler is really deadly unless you're swapping so no no reloading really the prowler unless you feel incredibly secure and confident in your positioning next we go to the full reloads it doesn't get any better for the prowler still holding down the bottom at 2.34 seconds the r99 has a very slow full reload as well um, at 2.21 seconds and then the volt rises to the top here yet again at 2.03 seconds so this is an interesting position to be in we're looking at three different weapons one is a burst with high damage and a lot of forgiveness on the accuracy but it's a burst we have the r99 that is incredibly deadly incredibly fast but not forgiving then we have the volt which really sits in the middle still offers that smg pretty fast time to kill but it not only has forgiveness and its accuracy but also the most forgiving in both reloads something to consider when you're picking what's your favorite smg yeah, i mean 0.2 seconds just if you're looking at the difference between the volt and the r9 you know 0.18 but that is a substantial difference and if you are fighting against an r99 with a volt and both people tactical reload that's gonna you know kind of change the flow of a fight per se if you start getting the first shot off the second time around in terms of, you know, it becomes even harder to hit your very high accuracy requirement of an R99 when you're getting shot in the face with any kind of gun. So yeah. it's really interesting to kind of look at them in a vacuum if we're looking at the SMG meta of them combating against each other as well. When we're coming down to the milliseconds when, we're, when we are making these kinds of comparisons. Totally. Maybe... So this is something that might be able to give people maybe a visualization of what does the tactical reload mean? If you're comparing the Volt tactical reload versus the R99 tactical reload in an early game situation, so you both have white armor, mm -hmm. based on the time to kill, because you're both so fragile, a quarter of a second means more than 50 damage, essentially, mm -hmm. that the Volt's going to be able to do to the R99 before the R99 even completes the reload. Almost 50 damage, that's incredible. You know, that's a lot of damage put behind. You know, that's going to stun people, force them to move. Um, it's almost game over at that point because yep. they're going to be able to finish that mag faster. But to have a 50 damage head start almost, ouch, that's scary. It's hard to play from behind 50. Very no doubt. Hard. You never want to be the person going into an end game with common armor against purple armors, if that kind of helps even put it in more perspective for totally. some people. Totally. So next we're going to talk about recoil and hip fire. And this is a bit subjective. And I think mm -hmm. that it's a very important thing because this is where we go into the feel of a weapon. We, we know mm -hmm. about the power, we know the damage, the reload, all these technical stats, but the recoil is really what a lot of players either subconsciously know 
or have seen based off their experience and internalized to make it feel like, oh, this is a great weapon because it's predictable to me. You get used to mm-hmm. it. It's one of our favorite things. We talked about it last week on the Three Numbers That Matter show with Dan, and we bring it up a lot, but it doesn't matter what a gun's time to kill is if you can't hit your shots. Kind of looking at the Havoc as one of the examples of just a very hard to control gun. And so, yeah, this is subjective. And yeah, it is pretty dang important as well, though. I mean, I would love to be able to recommend the highest time to kill gun to myself in every way, shape and form, but that's not always a variable that I get to consider. (laughs) Well said. Well said. Uh, Maybe, yeah, I should, I should say that. Maybe I'll steal that. I wish I could use the flat line at 90 meters. I can't, I'm not good enough. I'm sorry. I I do. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. And that's why this game is so complex. Like we said last week, the complexities of Apex almost require you to think about some numbers sometimes. Um, But talking about recoil, back in season seven, we did an episode breakdown. Uh, Back then, we thought it was a very competitive SMG meta, full Mm -hmm. alternator R99. And one of the metrics that we referenced back then, three seasons ago, was the R99's ridiculous accuracy while hip firing. And for that reason, it perhaps is why it's such a close range favorite. Now, flash to today, many players have been experiencing and loving the Prowler's hip fire. So we did some testing. And now the thing that we're going to look at and compare for you on the podcast is the crouch hip fire spread versus the crouched ADS spread. And for patrons that get access to the show doc, you get to see a little bit of our science behind the scenes. Um, but what we did is the Volt is what it is. Hip fire wise, up close, it's really just going to get annihilated by the Prowler and the R99 mm-hmm. in a controlled environment. I know a lot of players. We don't live in controlled yeah. environments, but yes, good to a know. A lot of definitely. players, including myself, <laughs> have one fights with the Volt up close, but you know, you're taking into account the one enemy fights wasn't with shooting. the G7 up close. That's true. So it's like, yeah, That's true. anything's possible in a battle royale. So if we're looking at it, you know, in kind of a controlled environment, I think the Prowler and the R99 are the most competitive in terms of their hip fire. Mm-hmm. And considering the the crouched ADS versus the crouch hip fire, the Prowler actually gets a pretty sizable edge, in my opinion. You know, looking at the patterns, assessing which one is going to hit more shots on, the Prowler may have a more consistent spread. With it just having a tighter grouping and then the R99 on the flip side, kicking much higher and more sporadic at the end of the mag. Hard to control, essentially. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, the Prowler is a burst again. So mm-hmm. close range, missing an entire five rounds is likely death versus a full auto head-to-head fight. So this is a tough category. The burst definitely makes it a huge variable for sure. Because when you look at that, you know, 15 shot, time to kill, you miss anything from the burst, you're adding time, it gets very competitive, very frustrating. I do think the R99 has been one of the advantages it'll always have is that the gun has been so popular and been around for so long that I think there's going to always be a natural feel with it for people. Kind of like the R301, 
But I think we are seeing an interesting season with the Prowler kind of coming top of the mind because we're having so many new players come to Apex and they don't have that long-term familiarity with the R99 that so much of us had so much of us have had for so long. And so we are seeing this like, oh, it is pretty close. And I don't have eight seasons of experience with the nine. So I think I'm going to rock with the Prowler and the Burst and kind of work around that, you know, the the flip sides of it as well. Totally. And, you know, in a close quarters fight, A, that's definitely the opposite of a controlled environment. That is 100% off the hinges craziness. It's also difficult to assess hit fire recoil patterns because up close, you're probably not emptying every single clip mm-hmm. because you're taking pauses in order to make sure you're hitting your shots because every shot counts in a situation like that. So if you're taking breaks and you're firing, that's going to make it more accurate. That's going to allow mm-hmm. you to reassess. And so this is a difficult category, but. It's one that is important to talk about because we're talking SMGs. You know, this is the application. Very relevant to endgame, which is when you will get into these kind of close range fights, especially in upper levels of play as the zone shrinks. So it's a tough, there's a lot of variables that go into it, but it is something to, to note for sure with these close range weapons. Now, the next thing that we're going to talk about to kind of wrap it up as the kind of last section of comparing mm-hmm. which SMG is best is talking arenas. You know, we're saying SMGs are best in that close to medium range. That's what arenas is pretty much designed to be. Up close and personal, a straight up 3v3. This is where the fastest time to kills should rise to the top. So mm-hmm. out of these three, the R9, Volt, and Prowler, which is best in arenas? And this introduces some new numbers. Of course, we're going to look at the economy of it in terms of what kind of materials are we looking at? How Mm -hmm. viable is it? Is there one that is just way more effective and more powerful? And then compare it to what we see in arenas, which is pretty much a flat blue armor versus purple armor in the later rounds. It's interesting. I love arenas. Next week, we're going to talk about arenas and really go Mm -hmm. deep into the numbers as to what are the best buys? What are the best strategies? Um, but it's very interesting because arenas is balanced with the buy round based off of what is available to use on the weapon side and what the enemies are guaranteed to have on the armor side. So mm-hmm. this is almost as close to a vacuum as we can get in terms of looking at time to kill accuracy and having to actually be applicable to in-game performance. Arenas is where the gun skill shines. I think someone, one streamer said it a while ago, like you're going to see the most skilled shooters Apex has ever seen because of arenas because it is this straight up environment just rewards hitting your shots. And I think that really does play well to this time to kill accuracy kind of comparison, essentially. So when we look at the materials cost, this is kind of an interesting story because if we look at the base price, the white common price, the blue and purple price of each of these SMGs, they're all pretty much valued the same. That's kind of how the buy system works. It breaks it down. Mm -hmm. SMGs, ARs, they're pretty much valued very similarly. Now, in the first level and the second level, we're only looking at a 50 materials range, 
between these weapons. At blue, we have the largest spread of 100. Then at purple, we start to see a really much wider gap in terms of the margin of cost in the SMGs. Base, mm-hmm. it's about 500 to 550. White, it's 650 to 700. Those are just essentially identical at the beginning. Mm-hmm. That does compound itself to affect the later rounds cost. But blue, we have the R9 that's at 900 cost at blue, the Volt at 950, and the Prowler at 1,000. Finally, at purple, we have the Prowler being the most expensive at 1,400 materials and the R99 being the least expensive at 1,200, then the Volt being slightly more expensive at 1,250. Once you start talking, the price of a battery, Henry's interest is oh, incredibly peaked at that point. So this is where those start to get into a fun kind of conversation and decision making, unlike those blue and kind of white earlier rounds. Absolutely. And we will certainly talk about this more next week in terms of just mm-hmm. kind of philosophy on buying and what's available to you. Because if you don't take into account any materials from uh, collecting them or scoring kills, just based off of what you're given each round, honestly, there's no reason that you wouldn't be able to get any SMG you want at a different Mm -hmm. round. Round one, you have 550, so there's no stop gate. Round two, you have 800, so there's no stopping you. Round three, you have 1150, so you have a blue SMG of any any type. Round four, 1500, you can have a purple SMG. There's, There's no like, oh, you can only have a Prowler purple or oh, at that same round, you're going to have a, a blue volt. If you just want one weapon, you're not saving any round, you're not collecting any, you're not getting any kills, there's no real decision to make outside of the economy of the game. So mm-hmm. you can really choose at that point. But it is interesting to highlight that the R99 is the cheapest. That means that the developers believe it to be one of the weakest. And the Prowler is the most expensive, so it's considered to be more powerful. That's obviously kind of a weighted statement in terms of power doesn't necessarily mean time to kill. It also means ease of use. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what we're looking at on the price of the SMGs. That's well. That's a great way to put it, is that the devs are pricing these out for a reason. And there's players that are going to be able to make the best of that R99 TTK and that's going to be really good for them at very, very high levels. But oh my goodness, for everyone else that we're talking to, including myself, then you do start to kind of see the breakdown and the price and the reward of using each gun. And I love that there is this, it's not just time to kill. That's not everything in a vacuum. And it's good to see that because that's, I think, what video games are so commonly broken down to. Absolutely. And so now the numbers behind what can these weapons actually do once you buy them, we're going to look at the time to kill and the accuracy. Round one and two, we're looking at blue armor. And then three through eight, we're looking at purple. So first things first, when you have purple armor, the only thing available is having a base or common SMG. So that's what the stats we're going to look at in terms of time to kill. The fastest is the R99.88 seconds against blue armor. The slowest is the Volt at one second flat. That is very, very close to the second place of 0.96 seconds of the Prowler. So really close margin. 
I just want to highlight the fact that the accuracy requirements are substantially different. Mm-hmm. You're looking at an accuracy requirement on the R99 of 80% base, almost impossible, to mm-hmm. 72% at common. So yes, it's the fastest, but it is substantially harder. A lot of risk there. Incredible risk. Some people love the risk. The Volt and the Prowler are much closer together. 63% accuracy for base, 57% common, 65% with the Prowler, 52% with the common Prowler. Really, really close. In this early game, if you feel compelled to use an SMG, I would recommend the Volt based off of price and time to kill and accuracy. But dang, it's close. In the vacuum of arenas also, you get a little bit more range, which can be beneficial. Not every fight's going to get you up close where those nines and prowlers really do thrive. So there's a lot of good reasons to kind of lean towards the Volt early on. Catch us next week. I don't know if I'll be recommending spending all that materials on an SMG in the first two rounds. But little teaser, but yes, I agree. looking for most effective, that, that's where we're at in terms of SMGs. Later in the rounds, we're talking purple. The Prowler really rises above. Um, in terms of time to kill, obviously it's the same as we were talking about earlier in the episode, 1.05 seconds, the accuracy being 50% with blue and 42% again with purple. That's a really, really solid number. It really can't mm-hmm. be touched by anything. Second place is the Volt in terms of accuracy. You have a parallel time to kill with the R99, but an almost 80% accuracy requirement at blue and then 70 at purple. And so really, you're looking at the Prowler being the most expensive and the most powerful at the top. So it's kind of exactly what you may expect from the balancing mechanic of the crafting materials. I really enjoy that. Well, then we've talked about arenas. We've talked about BR, essentially. You know, we're kind of leaning towards this concept of the Prowler being looked at as maybe the most powerful and the most, you know, well-established right now in terms of what people think is the most powerful. What's going to be our final recommendation? What is the best SMG in Apex Legends right now? As of today, things are always subject to change, guys. Just know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we looked at the numbers. We broke it down. Time and time again, you heard us talk about, but it's burst, you know. But it's burst, That's yeah, scary. yeah. I've been a fan of the Prowler a long, long time. Looking at the numbers, it's hard. It's hard for me. Mm-hmm. Looking at my own game experience so far this season, the Prowler is not my go-to. I, I think that mm-hmm. it is risky. My favorite SMG, what I consider to be the most effective tactic available, the meta for SMGs is the Volt based on the versatility and the power. Mm-hmm. The versatility and the power is what I look at as well, as the, the versatility being key. The range of that gun is very nice. For me, it does come down to the Volt and Prowler, and then even further so, because obviously nothing's in a vacuum, it comes down to what my second gun is, and that's really what makes my decision on this weapon, outside of what we always talk about, what mag do you find early on. But if I'm running something like a, if I want to carry an EVA, I'm running Volt EVA every time and it's not even close. If I want to run a G7 or some, a sniper, I feel much more comfortable then being like, okay, now I'm willing to kind of roll with the Prowler and some of that, using it as hopefully 
closing the gap up close, somebody's already weak, but I'm not leading with the gun per se, like we already spoke of. Um, but yeah, head to head, I will lean Volt as well uh, with my opinion currently. My my battle royale decision-making when it comes to these three SMGs are I will drop the Prowler every time for the Rampage. I just see it as a much better option. <laughs> I will drop the R99 for the R301 every single time. I like that Agreed. weapon a lot, lot more. The Volt, I will take that to the end game. I won't necessarily always drop it for the L-Star, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to bring a, a Devo or a Havoc to the end game without a Turbo. So mm-hmm. out of the three, I would probably want the Volt and realistically bring that to the end game more than the other two. Well said. I think that's a really good point. There's a ton of variables in BR, guys, and hopefully some of these numbers will help you make some decisions in your fights hopefully get some more wind get some more dubs and have a good time we're going to wrap up this episode though by answering some five-star questions if you want your question answered leave it in the form of a five-star review on apple pods we'll make sure we get to it first question is coming from brett or aka epic legend hey guys my gamer tag is epic legend wanted to say i have been listening for over a year now and haven't reviewed the podcast until today five stars of course but what pushed me to finally review was the three numbers episode. I could not tell you enough how much I love this content. This plainly and immediately helps the community and is so interesting from a design standpoint. I would love to see more of this. Well, good thing you got it today, Brett. My question for you guys is in your triangle bait and switch rotation, is it ever really a good idea to flank behind the enemy? Take the long way around the building, leaving your two teammates to switch in front line. Thanks for the fun and hard work you bring to the community. Keep it up. Thank you, Brett, for the kind words. Thank you very much. Always great to listen, hear from a a longtime listener. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll keep up the numbers. Don't worry. That's a promise. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of flanking, if you ask me, I say no. It is not Mm -hmm. a good idea to leave your two teammates and expose yourself for a flank. I could go on. But do you have any thoughts? I, I, there is, I tend to agree. I don't think flanking is a very viable strategy in this game. There's so many abilities to counter it per se. Obviously, if you pull off a successful flank, it's incredibly beneficial. Shooting somebody in the back is the best thing that you can do in Apex Legends and a BR. There is one situation in the triangle-ish formation I think a flank is somewhat suitable. And that is if you go in three on three and you know that you and like you and whoever the first other person are that are entering are shooting and you deal out a ton of damage you hit 175 on someone like or you knock them if you knock them though normally you're full sending but so i'm saying if you hit a massive amount of damage on someone you know that that person has to heal and so while you have a 3 on 2 depending on kind of the geographic area you are then put in a position well your teammates are in that kind of same vein, taking a two-on-two with the actual people that would be shooting, and that would buy you some time to potentially pull off an effective flank. That's kind of the only strategy I would go about with flanking. In no situation are we going to say, okay, three-on-three, head against each other, people start trading shots. Okay, one person should kind of like leave and move per se. Yeah, I mean, flanking is good. But I think, like you said, Shay, only if you already have the advantage can it be kind of yeah. a way to to close it out. Another good way to close it out, 
stick together and push together. Like it, it's yep. tough to say you should ever abandon just because you could get third party. Like you could go mm-hmm. down, something bad could happen. Like you could get silence and then not be able to return to your teammates. Like it's scary. And in a wall hack meta with Seer and Bloodhound, mm-hmm. if even if you have an advantage and you flank and you're identified as being by yourself, game over. You can't win a 1v3. Mm-hmm. You can't win a 1v2 when they're all looking at you. So flanking's hard in this game. I don't recommend it. Next question. Coming from Parajet God 99 Keep up the great work, Henry and Shay. And I also have one question. Do you think Octane is still meta? Octane is as meta as it gets. Highest pick rate in the game and is not particularly close. You will see him coming to shine in the highest levels of ranked. I have heard some rumblings of people talking about in the pro scene a shift back to Wraith in the that very, very, very niche area because of the ability to push and return, which is something you don't really get with Octane once you push, you're all in. But no, he is meta for 99% of the player base and that instances of people of pros spitballing and that might not even come to fruition but outside of that he is 100% still meta his kit's beautiful you know the the passive Mm -hmm. fulfills the tactical perfectly and the ultimate is i think the most powerful ultimate in the game in terms of versatility team rotation aggressive defense application on different sides you know to retreat pull out down enemies the speed of it the cooldown of it it's an incredible ability. I think that alone allows him to be in the top. Yeah, he's at the top of the top for sure. That'll wrap up the show, though. Thank you to our massive producers of the third party, Ten and Corey, who support us as dropship captains on Patreon. Subscribe on Apple Pods. Drop a follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. And check out the Discord via the link in the description. Thank you so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. We will catch you next time. Peace. Hey, now, another squad coming in. Whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow.